0: Hey, this is Lisa. And if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I love that movie podcast. And we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is always free. But if you want to support us on there, you can that's at patreon.com slash I love that movie. Um, and if you do join us on there, you get a weekly bonus episode of just everything else I'm watching. People ask me all the time, what other movies are you watching? What shows are you watching? There's a weekly bonus episode on the Patreon so and and also some interviews. You know, We covered The Mandalorian, uh, WandaVision, a lot of the Marvel shows, and I have guests on there and we talk about those shows. So if that interests you, check it out. I do want to take a moment to thank my top patrons, and they are Chris Belga, Jeff Widman, Philip Barker, and Michael Cross. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on. Uh, and if you like what you hear today, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. Well, I've got a new guest on the podcast. I've got Chris Daria. Say hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. Hey. Well, welcome to the show, Chris. Uh, I think you 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 mentioned before we started recording that you found us over on Academy Rewind. I did. A great, great podcast. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure, sure. Hi, I'm Chris. Hi, Lisa. Thank you for having me on. I'm Chris Daria. Uh, I am in professional life. I work here in uh, great state of Texas in higher education for university as an academic advisor and a a director of academic advising. Uh, in my side hustle life, I am an actor and a dialect coach. Uh, so I've I've done community theater, pretty much all over the area, uh, that I'm in, in, in the Dallas Fort Worth area and, uh, just starting out, uh, just before pandemic. So we kind of started and stopped, but I was able to kind of start doing some dialect coaching on various, uh, plays and and shows that i've been in my wife is a theater teacher so she brings me in to teach her students accents ranging from cuban to irish to scottish to brooklyn i'm originally from new york so that one is heavy in my mind Uh, and then i also did a west side story as a dialect coach and i've acted throughout i've actually been able to keep it up in the pandemic acting and directing uh, a few things uh, virtually but then also doing a big stage show uh, just this past summer so yeah I'm a big theater guy big movie guy um that's been a big thing this pandemic just watching as much as I can get my hands on uh trying not to go insane so all yeah. of that is is there
0: <laughs> I so, think we're all there
1: that is just a little bit about me
0: yeah I wanted to say okay so I want to focus on the dialect thing just for a quick second, then we'll we'll jump into the episode. But uh, when I was like, I think in middle school, my mother was like, you don't have any hobbies, like you're boring, like you need more hobbies. And so she put me in the Dallas Children's Theater and I took classes there. And one of the things that interests me the most was dialects. Um, And I had these tapes, I don't know if y'all still, I mean, I'm sure they're not cassette tapes anymore, but I had these cassette tapes that would teach you like a German accent and uh, a British accent and stuff like that. And I would listen to them and try to, I was really bad to be (laughs) transparent, but I think that's really cool. So I just wanted to touch on that.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. I've always had the ear for voices and I've always wanted to try to find something else kind of side along to acting that's in the theater world and it's just been, that's just kind of fallen into my lap. It's it's really a luck of the fact that my wife, who is a brilliant director uh, and great with with uh, developing relationships and staging and all of that, really doesn't have an ear for voices at all. So <laughs> when I start, when we started dating, um, she's like, there's a character in my show who's Irish and I can't do it. Can you come in and work with her? And I was like, yeah. And we got her to do an Irish accent. The, the, the oh, so students. Cool. So, Accents then, so are every, so cool. Yep. Every year they do an accent. They, she does a show that has an accent. I'm there to help that process out. Uh, I've done Boston accents. The New York one is obviously something near and dear to my heart as a native New Yorker. I don't want to hear a bunch of Texans trying to do it and do it poorly. So that's where it For comes real? in with some stuff like that. So yeah, that's that's it's been a really cool gig and I've gotten to take it and put it into my acting um, as much as I can and just use as much as much of the tricks on myself as I use on on the people that I work with.
0: When I was younger, you know, maybe I think the Texas stuff kind of has trickled in as I've gotten older, but especially when I was younger, people would say, well, you don't sound like a Texan or, you know, even when I would go, you know, on, on for work and I would go to another place and they say, where are you from? I'm from Dallas. They say, "Uh, well, you don't sound like it. And I said, well, that's because I'm an only child that was raised on TV. There you so, go. you know, I'm listening to the, what do they call it? The mid, the standard Midwestern accent my entire life. And so sure. I sound, I talk like that. It just, I think that kind of stuff is really fascinating. So Absolutely. I want to touch on that, but back yeah. to what we're focused on here. So, Absolutely. um, you know, on this podcast, my guests always picks a movie and we talk about a movie that they love. So what movie did you choose to talk about today?
1: I chose the 2014 John Favreau joint chef
0: yes i'm so glad you picked this one uh i really like this movie in fact i didn't even have to watch it again because i've seen it more than once so same um here. Yeah, same <laughs> here. and it's I,
1: off netflix which makes me really sad because they keep taking it on and taking it off but <clears> i've noticed <clears throat>
0: that like i went to go look for it and i was like i kind of i don't know i think just because he's so heavily involved with disney now i mm. almost expected it to be on disney plus but it wasn't so you'll ah. have to rent it if if you have not but um uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about your history with this movie. Like when did, when did you first see it?
1: Sure. Uh, I think I first saw it in 2014, right when it kind of came out. It wasn't, I don't think it really was in the theaters that much. I don't really remember it being in the theaters, uh, but I just, I I saw it. I actually, I can step back a little bit. Before I even saw the movie, i um, big into podcasting. Obviously I'm doing a podcast. So uh, the um this the podcast it's now the id10t podcast the nerdist chris hardwick had john favreau on to talk about everything and talked about that movie and i was like that sounds really interesting um as a concept and as an idea because i just he told the story of how he was burnt from working with burnt out from working with marvel and disney on these Mm -hmm. giant productions i wanted to do something that was a little bit more his speed back to some of the stuff that he kind of did before he got so huge I was like, "That sounds really interesting. I, I like that idea a lot." Um, then I found the movie, and I'm also a very big fan. This is kind of I went through a phase of food movies. Um, nice big fan of movies <laughs> involving food. Uh, I we I could, if you need me, we can do a whole series on movies involving food. Can,
0: can you tell uh, me a couple of them real quick? Like, what are what are some other famous food movies that you're some other fame?
1: Okay, some other famous food movies. I mean, you can't really get too far without saying Ratatouille. And I don't sure. mean that as a joke. Ratatouille is a fantastic movie. Um, there, there's a movie called The 100-Foot Journey starring Helen Mirren okay. about warring restaurants 100 feet away from each other. Um, <laughs> the one that kind of got me in the mood for food movies is Big Night. Uh, okay. It's from the 90s. It's uh, it's, okay, Big Night, that's required viewing. Uh, it's okay. Stanley Tucci and Tony Shalhoub oh, play Italian brothers who, who come to America to do... To start a traditional Italian restaurant, but get undermined by what I'm going to call the Olive Gardenification of Italian <laughs> food. Uh, yeah. Even though this was set in like the '50s, it was happening back then, and uh, they have a big night because their their friend and competitor uh, promises that famous uh, singer Louis Prima is going to come to their restaurant. So that's the I big see. night.
0: And okay, I'll have to just check it
1: out. Fan, it's so good if you are a fan of. Of uh, stanley tucci shalhoub this is my favorite tucci movie of all time Bar okay not. oh it's wow so that's, that's
0: high praise i'm gonna have to yeah. see that
1: but all of that kind of came to a head of like yeah i'm watching these movies and then chef shows up this is kind of right in my wheelhouse i've been a big food network guy from jump um when i had cable tv the, no- the number one channels on my t- on my television were comedy central and food network i just mm. sit there watching iron chef and chopped and all those shows yeah. as often as possible just leaving the tv on through all of that so i love cool. food i love to cook myself and then i saw the movie and it's just it became like comfort food ironically yeah. enough is this this is just the kind of movie that you can go back to at any moment at any time and just watch it it's a quick watch and it's so just so comforting in there i've said for the longest time that forrest gump is my favorite movie and these days i'm thinking about it, i'm like no i think it's chef I think oh, Shepard's my favorite wow. movie of all
0: time. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, I I saw it, I can't remember. I mean, it's possible that I saw it in the theater only because I saw it with my mother, and she tends to prefer, you know, sort of independent films or kind of slice of life type movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I saw it with her because I remember that I saw it with her. Um, we had a discussion that we'll talk about the movie there's there's probably only one issue i have with this whole movie okay. and i've heard it from a couple of people that have seen it and i'm like i agree but it's it's minor um <laughs> and but i came home and i said you know nick i just saw this movie chef and we should watch it And I think at the time I was traveling a lot for work Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I had been to Miami a few times. I think that kind of influenced it a little bit Yeah. Um, and sort of, you know, being very new to Cuban food, I would still say I'm new to it. Um, (laughs) uh, But, you know, there was just a vibe going on that, you know, I was really interested in food at that time as well. Well, I still am, but um, so that's kind of the headspace that I was in. Um, So before we go further, I do want to say, that I don't do like a spoiler-free and then spoiler-filled part of the show. We're just going to chat about it. So I would think it's probably best if you're listening to pause here and go watch it and come back. Mm -hmm. And if you're still here, here is the summary of Chef. After a controlling owner pushes him too far, Chef Carl Casper quits his position at a prestigious Los Angeles restaurant. As he tries to figure out what his next step should be, he finds himself in Miami. Carl joins forces with his ex-wife, best friend, and son to launch a food truck business, and the venture provides a chance to reignite his passion for cooking, as well as his zest for life and love.
1: That's so, it right there.
0: Yeah. And I think there, Oh, go ahead.
1: Isn't there just something romantic about a food truck? Like, oh, seriously. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: I think... I Yeah.
1: I totally... I'm sorry I keep cutting off, no, but no, I definitely fine. went through and still am partially in the food truck phase. Uh, anywhere <laughs> I've lived, I've lived um, North Carolina here in Texas, I seek them out. I find the food truck parks. I had friends that own food trucks. I'm like, there's something just so romantic. And if I ever had the same gumption that Carl does in this movie, the chef Carl does, I would 100% invest things into a food truck and drive around and cook for people. (laughs) There's just something so I, I romantic. I don't know if that's the right word, but that's the word I'm going for. It's just, if there's something so whimsical about it to me.
0: Well, and I think when this movie came out too, food trucks, at least here in, in Texas, were becoming really, really big. You know, mm-hmm. it's something that we didn't have for a long time over here. Oh, yeah. Um, it's hard to even imagine a time before food trucks. But I remember, yep. I have a distinct memory of my mom telling me, uh, oh, you know, me, me and uh, her and her husband had gone to New York. And she was mm-hmm. like, you won't believe it. They have all this food on the street. You know, she's like describing street food. Oh, yeah. She's like, it's so good though, but it comes out of a truck, but it's really good. And like... You know, I I listen to her and I'm like, oh, that's kind of like when I've been in Europe. Like they they have a lot of stuff like that, but they we uh, didn't really have yeah. it in the South and in Texas specifically um, mm-hmm. until fairly recently. So this yeah. movie kind of came out around the time where every you know, like food trucks were kind of exploding <sighs> all over the place. I would think and, so. Yeah, and and I agree with you. It's, it is. Uh, I I don't know. I think maybe romantic is the right word because I think this movie kind of focuses on a couple things that, you know, food is pleasure it is, there is something sensual about it, you know, and romantic and relationship building. Um, and, and also it's part like, you know, food truck and also part road trip movie at some points yeah. in this film. Oh, um, yeah. And those are, that's a very romantic thought as well. So I think, <laughs> I, I don't know, I think you're you're absolutely right in, in pointing that out.
1: Sure, absolutely. I think, I, I going back to like the food truck comment, I, as a native New Yorker, I'm from Long Island. I grew up going into the city Getting a hot dog off of a cart, getting a getting uh, a gyro off of a off of a truck, um, so that's just ingrained in us, and we don't think it's all that special until you leave it. You're <laughs> like, wow, I just miss being able to walk outside and have a dude shove a caniche in my face and yes. stuff like that. And <laughs> I, I came to Texas in 2013, and now and right when I was coming in, like <clears throat> going into some of the like the parks, really exploded within the la- within the first. Two or three years, like Clyde Warren Park. There's food trucks yeah. lining that thing. Um, there's some parks down in in the Fort Worth side of life too that I would go to. Um, yeah, it's it's really cool and just to see how people are like are kind of getting really gourmet about just selling food out of a truck. Which the New Yorkers have basically like this is basic level, and then everyone has kind of up the ante. And I think it's yes,
0: awesome. yeah, it's a good thing. Um, it it definitely helped with the palate in the city. It, it helps bring in you know uh, tourists. It helps. Oh, yeah. it, it's just been great. Um, mm-hmm. I have a couple of quick facts I wanted to share. Go for uh, it. In 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 kind of studying about this movie. So John Favreau did his own cooking by training with food truck uh, food truck chef <laughs> Roy Choi. Choi sent mm-hmm. Favreau to a week of intensive culinary uh, French school where Favreau sharpened his knife skills and how to make sauces. Uh, he says, I brought him to the kitchen and he just kind of fit in. I threw him a couple of tests, like a case of chives or a case of onions or peeled two cases of avocados just to see where his mind and his situation and abilities were and how interested he was in these things. He just attacked them. He really became a part of it. And eventually, five years after this film release, Choi teamed up again for The Chef Show, uh, which is a cooking documentary on Netflix. Now, I just watched the first episode of this. Mm. Uh, right before we started recording and uh, they were in that episode, they were talking to the chef from Milk Bar, which yep. is like, I think LA based. And I'm mm-hmm. so excited about that because I just got like within the past month, I got their sampler. Somebody bought me their sampler. Oh, and it was go. so dang good. I was <laughs> like... I was like converted um, because I'm not like a big sweets person, if I'm honest, like desserts are not really usually my thing. Sure. But wow, it just like was so good. And then just to get to see kind of the behind the scenes and mm-hmm. it's kind of fun watching Favreau be like the student, you know, because he's just so oh, yeah. good at what he does. But he's got this like, uh, you know, intensity and energy for learning that I think is really infectious. Have, have you watched the documentary?
1: i have i've seen every season of the show oh, awesome. Awesome. oh yeah i guess
0: it's been on for a while now then it's been on i think
1: <laughs> since 2000 what 19 or so and, mm-hmm. bas- and basically it was the period of time where a chef was off netflix the movie was off netflix so the only oh, way i gosh. could digest information about the about the show or about the movie was to watch this show and i was like okay this is a really good like supplement this is a good if if uh, the movie is the steak this is great potatoes on the side just something that I can I can enjoy alongside of it. And they I love it. Their episodes, I don't want to spoil too much, but their episodes involving some people and and restaurants they do from the movie. They they go oh, down awesome. they go have like a full-on visit to Franklin's, which is featured in the movie. Oh, that's uh, right. Bar- that's right. The barbecue joint in, in Austin, Texas. Yes. And uh like they go to Skywalker Ranch because Favreau is connected to Star Wars now. So they go all these different places, and they're talking to chefs, they're talking to just normal folk, and it's it's really cool how they are able to pull it together. It's a really fun take on kind of the the food infotainment
0: show. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and to your point earlier that you were talking about, I also read that this is his first non Iron Man <laughs> collaboration between writer and director uh, John Favreau and Robert Downey Jr.
1: Yeah, there you go. Just very <laughs> so, interesting that he's only in the movie for like. Let's say fifteen minutes. If I know that, it's an amazing scene. The 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 one thing, and I know you've got these the fun facts, but just to like oh, go for each it. one no, and, go and morsel them out a little bit. The the strength of the writing on this movie is that they're the and the casting as well. Is that yes. there are these heavy hitters that aren't in the movie for a lot of the movie. You would expect people like Robert Downey Jr., Dustin Hoffman, Scarlett Johansson to kind mm-hmm. of be featured in, throughout the movie, but no, the movie is really just about. Carl Casper, John Favreau, reigniting his passion and reclaiming his passion for what he does and the people that kind of influence that along the way. And mm. so it's okay for them to kind of come in and out, but then you get the amazing casting of these folks that totally steal the scene, but then move forward. One of my favorite scenes in the movie uh, comedian Russell Peters plays a bike cop who basically <laughs> exploits John Favreau for his uh, unwanted internet fame and it's one of the best scenes in the movie like is robert downey jr playing basically i think i've read it said like the worst version of tony stark is what robert (laughs) downey jr plays in this and it's amazing it's so fun and you get these excellent cameos amy Sedaria shows up for like five minutes and she's just a joy yeah she plays she plays a she plays a typical hollywood pr agent
0: I wonder if to, that's why she's in Star Wars now.
1: <laughs> I have a feeling that that connection was made there and it's a really cool idea. So It is. All of it all of it's there and yeah, it's just the strength of the casting and the writing to say like, "Hey, we're going to throw in these really awesome heavy hitters. They're going to show up for a minute, do their thing, and then we're going to get back to the story." And it all feeds right. the story. Too.
0: 100 percent well mm-hmm. many critics have viewed this film as an allegory of john favreau's career as a director oh, yeah. by going back to his independent film roots allowing freedom to make his own decisions after time working under the close and demanding eye of marvel studios and after uh one comic book film adaption uh cowboys and aliens which was a slight box office failure however mm-hmm. favreau has denied this comparison so what do you think about that
1: oh uh, i given that he kind of talked about it in interviews prior um to uh to the release of the movie i don't i i i, I don't know if i believe him that it's not true i <laughs> he's agree i think two, it may be subconscious
0: saying,
1: <laughs> yeah, he's kind of saying two different things and it's and and i mean it's it's so closely mirrored together and and I, in, in interviews, he was—I think—he was very careful not to not to drop Marvel's name or anything like that. Just talking about that's true. He's big budgets right and things like that. <laughs> like if you think of, if you think about it, uh, and I'm I'm not the biggest like uh, connoisseur of all John Favreau's complete oeuvre of everything he's done, but um, but when it, but like you look at the '90s and things like Swingers, and then Elf kind of broke him wide open, and then he got into mm-hmm. the Iron Man stuff, and. <clears throat> Then you said Cowboys and Aliens, which I kind of forgot was him. Thankfully. Yeah, I forgot too. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, to, to just anybody who's been doing something for so long needs a refresh. And that's what I think Chef was for him. And that's what the plot of the movie is for the character. And yeah, he's right back in it because he's back working with Disney. He's done all of the photorealism movies, Jungle Book, Lion King. He's directing Mandalorian. Um, he's, he's writing Book of Boba Fett. He's all up in it. Um, and he's still appearing as a character in the Marvel cinematic universe and all those movies. So it's not like he, he's just completely, made a complete left turn. He just kind of stepped back so he can step forward. And I agree. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But um, I was going to say that I, I agree with what you're saying. And also I almost feel like post chef, um, and this isn't to criticize jungle book or, or Iron Man, but Uh, When you think about projects like The Mandalorian and Boba Fett, of course, they have more time than, say, Iron Man does, but Mm -hmm. it feels like maybe things started shifting a little bit more character driven. Do you agree? Like, it almost feels like, you know, when you think about The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett, the relationships in there, in those movies, in those uh, projects are more center stage than, Mm -hmm. you know, let's say like in Jungle Book or, or in Iron Man.
1: I think uh, I think that's just a feature of Jon Favreau to begin with. That mm-hmm. um, if he had his way, I imagine every all of his work would be character driven rather than plot driven. And right. because you've got what was at the time some uh, a entity called the Marvel Creative Committee. That was kind mm. of steering the ship on a lot of this, and people said it was. I've heard interviews and, and read read articles that it was just not a fun time to work with that committee, and they've since dissolved it. Which is why, like, I guess phase three and four have been so widely received um, in in as letting directors kind of do what they want for everything gotcha. like that. Yeah. So um, I feel like it's there. Like Iron Man is definitely a character piece. The first Iron Man movie is definitely a character piece. Elf, I think, is a character piece. Right. Uh, and so I feel like it's just a feature of his work, um, but it just depends on the project uh, that mm-hmm. you can do. Like Iron Man Two tries to be a character piece, and it, I don't think it's a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. But there is there, they, it does seem like it's it's gearing towards something else, gearing towards yeah. field, what what we learn as Avengers and then things like Jungle Book and Lion King. We already know what those <laughs> movies are, uh, but we're doing them again because we got the new technology to do them. I'm not going. They were fun. I enjoyed watching those movies, but again. Uh, when you let John Favreau just kind of get in there, take a character put him in a situation and see how it goes. That's, that's where he, his wheelhouse is. I think.
0: I agree. And I think the the criticism that those two particular movies got jungle book and Lanking is that they were technically amazing, but they mm-hmm. kind of lacked heart. Yeah. That, agreed. And, and, and his other work doesn't lack that. So I think you're right where he was feeling a little bit creatively stifled. And I mean, there's no better representation of that than in the movie with uh uh with <laughs> with the critic right I mean mm-hmm. we'll probably get into that um oh, yeah. but yeah I can see how it'd be dicey for him to openly admit yeah this is a jab <laughs> you know this is a jab at Marvel Studios and it's a frustration of an artist I mean food sure. is art as well and what oh, he yeah. does is art so I mean I yeah it's undeniable but maybe he has to deny it I hadn't thought about that mm-hmm. um so we've talked a little bit about you know some of the casting we've talked about some quick facts, but I think we should dive into the movie and pick some of your favorite scenes. So why don't you take it away?
1: Sure. Sure. This, the, some of my favorite scenes, um, there are two that kind of openly stand out. And the first two that do have to do with actual making of food. Um, Okay. And they're kind of right at the top, just as everything kind of goes. It's this, the first one is the scene uh, when we kind of discover that he's been, uh, he's been seeing Scarlett Johansson's character, I would say on the side, but he's divorced. So I guess there is no side, but kind I, of strike- I think the
0: only dicey thing is she works for him and yeah, she's that. like the hostess and yeah. so much younger, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you're kind of like, eh, if you've ever worked in a restaurant, you're kind of like, mm,
1: this, this kind of <laughs> checks out. Sure. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> But it's the, it's when he makes the pasta, uh, Right off the bat. And and that scene, it's just, it's a quick little moment. It's just you get to watch a guy really enjoy what he's doing. It's kind of the first hint of like, okay, this is a good thing. Because he he it's right after I think the review comes out where he is, or it's like right after he he cooked for the critic, where he's just been feeling stressed from working with Reva of working with Dustin Hoffman's character. And Mm -hmm. he takes, I think, I think Scarlett Johansson's character's name is Molly. He mm-hmm. goes back to his place with her uh, and she's just watching him work and he's loving it and she's she's got the eyes for him because well it's kind of sexy watching a man do watch somebody do what they love to do and then uh, when the end product is something you can eat it's even better and i don't know if have you uh, just to kind of go on have you tried to make any of the food from the show
0: <laughs> i should okay mm. full confession the part of me that really relates to this movie is i worked in restaurants early sure. on when I was young, I was a waitress, a really bad one actually <laughs> uh, for years <laughs> um, because it made more money at the time than say mm-hmm. you know retail work and then I transitioned into like being a barista, which I liked a lot more. Uh, but I would say that uh, I was a terrible cook and I actually have to credit the pandemic um, in making sure. me a better one because I mm-hmm. in during the pandemic I had nothing but time, no more excuses, I'd lost my job. Um, At the time, and I had all the time in the world to cook, and I have gotten better at cooking.
1: Awesome. Um,
0: But I am no chef. And so I love this scene because for a different reason. I think I love it because this introduces us uh, to the idea of what is so attractive about Carl. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, I think on the surface, you're like, okay, here's this big dude. Molly is this incredibly, you know, beautiful young woman. Mm -hmm. Why is she so attracted to this guy? Well, this scene. Says why. Um, yep. He is a master chef. He's a celebrity <laughs> and he's really good at what he does. And he's got this passion that he puts into his cooking that is attractive. And I think oh, yeah. you hit on something when you talked about cooking a meal for someone. I mean, it's such an intimate act. Oh, and I it's think it's my favorite
1: thing. It's my yeah, favorite Yeah. And I thing think,
0: you know, her doing that or him doing that for her, it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's like a, a a famous actor giving a monologue in front of you. You know, it's oh, just yeah. really it's really special and Mm -hmm. i think he's attracted to molly too because in her eyes he's still a hero um he's it it plays into his ego a lot Mm -hmm. and i think that's explored in the movie is like being able to put aside the celebrity and ego and get back to like his actual passion but still i love this movie because they make that food look so dang good Um, and it's such a simple dish like it Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be this big complicated fancy dish to be really really good and so that's Absolutely. why i like that and scene. i but have to agree I, it stood out to me i was thinking of when i said central sure. i was thinking of this scene yeah
1: <laughs> yep and i've got a i've got a fun fact for you about that all of the food on set is actual food that was really prepared. so no uh, like
0: sprayed with things they never did any no set dressing.
1: yeah then <laughs> no set dressing no food every piece of food that was work created on the show uh was meant to be consumed and could be consumed it was actual food that they used. And, and when you've got Roy Choi back there, I think he was promoted to co-producer after um, taking Jon Favreau under his wing is like, yeah, we're not going to do any of this. on these bull crap that involves not that involves just set dressing food. So everything could, could have been eaten. And I think they did. So uh, when, yeah. when you're doing it with that and yeah, uh, I only bring up cooking the food uh, because that's, this is the one dish from the movie that I've actually tried. Oh, and you're nice. right, It's so simple. Um, to make and it really does nothing, but it's one of the purest definitions of simple yet brilliant that I can come up with because it's it's so it's it, it's really it's just pasta, olive oil, garlic, parsley, a little bit of stuff in there. Uh, but it's amazing. And that scene <clears throat> definitely goes to you when it comes to that. Uh, another favorite scene that I can come up with kind of happens right after. Um, and it's and it ha- it is the take two of the critic.
0: So mm.
1: after after um the gets the, the 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 bad review we can call it and calls out uh ramsey michelle on twitter uh which is just a fun a fun thing as someone who's fairly social media illiterate I don't even have a Twitter it's always fun to see people use it poorly um it's just so way,
0: tempting it's right oh, yeah. there you know? it's
1: right there it's right there that's why i don't have one because i know i'd be tempted to shoot my mouth off all the time and i don't want to <laughs> do that um but then it's this is a combination of things it's a combination of um he, we're getting the aftermath of him walking out on on uh on the chef, on the restaurant after riva basically force tries to force him back into the little box that he's been yeah. in and you get there's so many elements at play you get um in just the once it's it's directed and shot so beautifully to cut back and forth between um oliver platt playing the critic uh basically eating the same food and having the reaction he's having uh dustin hoffman and scarlett johansson trying to placate him and and save as much face as they can you see the uh the how much the kitchen staff is a disaster Uh, with Bobby Cannavale as a head now, which how have we not talked about him yet? But he's he's amazing. Um, (laughs) He's really good in this. I love him in this movie. And then you also get the, you get uh, Carl Casper back at his house cooking the meal that he was going to make. And it's all undercut to this amazingly chosen song, uh, Cavern by Liquid Liquid, uh, Mm. which it's got a thumping bass line that just kind of Under that just kind of sells the tension and underscores the tension going on in all facets right up until my favorite part of this scene when he explodes back at the restaurant and screams his cooking philosophy back into Ramsey Michelle's face, culminating in a very unconvincing, you're not getting to me.
0: I think this is also a time where we were just beginning to learn what go viral really meant and how... Much it could destroy your career and Mm -hmm. continues to. Um, I think there's been a lot of frustration and and confusion over that the past few years. You know, a lot of people are like, it's so unfair when someone loses their job over something they said. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately, in this time in our in history, we have this huge platform. Oh, yeah. You can't really fault. Uh, companies and 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 business leaders mm-hmm. for not wanting to get caught up in these tornadoes. Sure. Um, so Carl, yeah, lampoons his career. I mean, this <laughs> the second scene is makes him unhireable essentially. It um, does, but it's it's yeah,
1: it's really just though you're watching a man destroy his career, but you're watching him <laughs> bring somebody down with him at the same time, and yeah. at least try to. But it it, I think the, the beauty of the scene is it just. It, it, everything that has happened so far in this movie. Um, we haven't been, he hasn't been able to, to get any sort of, any sort of release for what's going yes. on. Yes. Yeah, he gets true. a bad review. He's stifled by his boss. He can't see his kid. We haven't even gotten to the family stuff yet, but he can't really connect with his child. Um, he can't connect with his ex-wife. He has so much stuff that he can't do. The one thing he can do is cook. And when he can't even do that, then it all boils over and you're just, It's some, it's cathartic, but it's also, you're right. There's that double-edged sword. If it's cathartic to watch him just take someone to task, but it doesn't work. And that's the, that's where the beauty of, of the moment is. Because in any other movie, it could be a triumph for him to do something like that. But we're showing that because of all the stress that is, uh, that has accumulated around him, it's, it's not as much as a, as a triumph, but just a snapping And you're, and it's, it can't looking at it from a voice perspective. I always giggle every time his voice cracks on the last time he says, you're not getting to me. It's just, it's just like, Oh, Oh man, we're, we're in that phase. It's beautiful irony. And I love it so much.
0: And I think it's easy for him from his position to sort of dehumanize Ramsey. And I think this is something that we struggle a lot with, you know, you see it a lot on Twitter. Uh, critics sort of get demonized like it's their job to critique but there is some truth in what carl says about like these are real human beings you're talking about and Mm -hmm. they work really hard yeah and i think that part touched me because i think anyone who's worked in a restaurant knows you know it it is a very hard job Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) for the cooks
0: for the servers for the busboy for everybody it's a very Mm -hmm. difficult tenuous experience and, you know, uh, uh, customers and critics tend to be harsh. And again, it, it, it sort of feels like an allegory to picking on mm-hmm. a movie project, right? Er- sure. Everyone working on that movie worked really hard, put their blood, sweat and tears into a project, and then it gets mm-hmm. ripped apart by a critic. And it's like, well, that's easy to do, you know? And so there is a part of us that's, that's dealing with that. I don't know, oh, yeah. that wrestling with that. I, I definitely do in that scene.
1: I can see that. Yeah, I, I, and I think that it's just... Whether it's a critic or just really now with social media, it's anybody, right? This guy's a right, food right, blogger. Right. This guy, the 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 character of Ramsey Michelle is a food is technically a food blogger, so he kind of has mm-hmm. his own avenue for it. I think that also kind of the 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 name of critic is a really nebulous thing right now because I guess before a critic would be somebody that was hired by either a magazine or a newspaper to True. review things, and now with the internet and with social media, anybody can can give their opinion. On something it's the everyone's a critic mentality um yeah kind of and in this movie it's kind of played out for um for not really it doesn't really show exactly what i was talking about because he is a respected food blogger but still a food blogger nonetheless um right as it's go- he's not as a it's chef going to- i mean yeah.
0: he's you know, not a chef that's yeah, what carl's point is is like you don't mm-hmm. even really know what this is yeah. like and yet Absolutely. you're commenting on it and i and he's got so, a sort of sense of superiority and ego, I think, in that moment. So it is kind of like a self-critique in some ways. Oh, absolutely.
1: Um, so I, mean, it, I
0: just think it's interesting. Like you said, it's not a triumphant moment. It's more of like a self-check. It is, <laughs> it
1: is definitely a self-check, but it's a funny self-check. Because mm-hmm. um, it, it comes right at the point. I, I We're talking about this movie very philosophically. I like to remind people <laughs> who are listening, it's a comedy and very That's funny. That's true. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. and, this, and there are moments like this where it's very, very funny Um, and I think that what adds to it from the ego point that you're talking about is he just, the, the right before that, he just cooked the entire meal that he was going to make for, yeah, he knows he can
0: do it and he can wow him, which is painful. He's being held back. Yeah. Yep.
1: Absolutely. And so that's, I think what, um, and then he, I think it was, it's Twitter comments that bring him back into the restaurant (laughs) to explode on people and, and Ugh, yeah it's just the the, the relationship this show has this movie has with social media is just so interesting to me. Yeah because a novice- it
0: becomes a, a win later.
1: Yeah you have yeah. A, yeah you have a complete novice at it like Carl who's everyone in his life is telling him no don't do this. Don't 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 mess with him on 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 Twitter. Don't don't just don't go for it. And he goes for it and he doesn't know that it's just all in good fun. He's really taking it personally and that's I think more of the ego driven part of him. Uh, when it comes to it and i think anybody who does something really well for an extended period of time is going to develop an ego about sure. what they do so sure. um and and when that ego is combined with not thinking that the work that you're being that you're being allowed to do is up to your standard that's going to cause some fragility to that ego and so any yeah. any shot taken at it it's going to result in that in that uh chocolate lava cake explosion
0: yum (laughs) yeah uh yeah and this is kind of you know his 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 personal life is you know he's sleeping with his hostess he's not getting along with his son he Mm -hmm. is estranged to his ex-wife like his his life is not going in a good direction
1: it is not he's not an enviable person when we when we in the first i say half hour of the movie
0: right right,
1: right. (laughs) the only thing really enviable is that he can cook like a mother. so Mm -hmm. that's um, that's the best, that's where we are. And the movie is about getting it back. It's, I, I, anytime I tell people about this movie, because, and I'm so glad we, that you, that you reacted so favorably when I mentioned this movie as what I want to do, because I don't think people know about it as much as they should. Uh, uh-huh. It's a movie about reclaiming your passion. Exactly. And, and yeah. it's not just rediscovering, but also, rec- I, I use that word carefully, reclaiming, because it's his journey not just to say, oh, this is something I liked. we know that he's a good chef. He knows he's a good chef. But doing it at the level that he was doing it on, it wasn't fulfilling him. So finding a different level, finding a different way to go about it, making that reclamation of his passion is what drives him forward for the rest of the movie and allows him to reconnect with his son, allows him to reconnect with his ex-wife, which spoilers, they marry at the end or remarry, yeah, I should say. I think so, that's
0: the only part, I honestly, like, I remember I saw this with my mom and she... Mm-hmm after we watch it, she said, I didn't really like that aspect. She was like, I didn't like Sophia Vergara's character sort of her life being somewhat on hold as well, and sort of placating his ego and getting him back, and then they get back together. She almost would have preferred that she stay with Robert Downey Jr. Hmm. (laughs) And I kind of think that would be the more realistic ending, because I don't, even though I feel sorry and sympathetic for Carl, I think it's strange that his wife, that her life is sort of also put on hold, and she's kind of I don't know. She's, she's doing a lot of different parts, you know, helping him get back doing all this and, and also kind of in a way waiting around for him. Mm. Um, and I've heard more than one woman have that reaction. Like I had another friend that like didn't like the movie at all because they couldn't get over that aspect. So I would <laughs> wow. say that this is sort of a, a bit of a, a fantasy. <clears throat> you know what I mean? I, th- I don't think this is exactly how it would play out. I don't think your really hot wife would wait back at home, give up <laughs> her really hot Robert Downey Jr. Boyfriend. Uh, forgive your indiscretion with Molly and welcome you back with open arms. I think that's a stretch (laughs) and maybe like, uh, you know, that is coming from like a female perspective. But I, again, I would say that it's very minor. The relationship, even that he has with his wife, I think is not front and center to the relationship he has with his son and with food. So I, I don't think it's a big deal, but I have heard (laughs) that criticism of it and I, I agree a little bit
1: that's the first time i've ever heard that criticism of this movie. <laughs> so i'm gonna have to digest it uh one uh, just i isn't it that though um <clears throat> that inez sofia vergara's character i think if if i'm not mistaken and i could be she's married to art uh, to robert downey jr before she married uh john Oh, Favreau.
0: really oh yeah, okay I so he's he's a real ex
1: so okay, okay. So, they were married, I thought he was split. an in,
0: in between ex. So, I guess that makes a little more sense. The yeah.
1: way that I, I think it's played out in the movie is that he was married she that Robert Downey Jr and Sofia Vergara were married. Then they've split up. She married Jon Favreau, has a child with him, they divorce. And I think in the movie they say that there was one night where they where she and Robert Downey Jr reconnected for like a second, but it didn't yeah. go, it didn't go uh anything like that. Like they had one one night together after when after she and John Favreau divorced and then
0: that was it. And Convenient. Like he has still... a whole relationship. She has one night. Hmm. Mm, but yeah, <laughs> where that goes. yeah, I see. But, uh... I, can, I can see it, and 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 I
1: I, I can I can totally under- understand that perspective. Her character, um, <clears throat> I get the sense. I from when I was watching it though, I kind of got more the impression that she was she had her shit together. Uh, this is true. She's term.
0: she's actually the backing because she's the rich yeah. one. She's, um, yeah, she she's... can rescue him, poor Carl, from his situation and of Marvin. Course. And the positive, I think, is mm-hmm. that you know Marvin is the ex and uh, he's still attracted to Sophia, obviously, but yep. um who isn't. But um, <laughs> you know, he oh, uh I think he's very mature, you know. Whereas Carl maybe yeah. is at this point in his life a little immature. Inez and Marvin are are very gracious mm-hmm. and they really help Carl. And I think that's yeah. a really positive thing to, to portray an ex that way. So I do like that. But yeah, Inez is definitely, I mean, she's, she's I, very, mo- she's got her stuff together, like you said. And she's yeah. trying to help out someone that she cares about. Maybe we should think of them as more of almost like they're on a break. It, it seems, it seems that you way. Were Cause I break. think
1: yeah. if I'm, yeah, we'll go back to the friends theory <laughs> for this one. Um, I, the way I've approached it and we don't know what happened in the past. We are kind of dropped in with Carl veering towards his lowest moment. So yeah, we don't yeah. know what got, what, why they broke up. We don't know anything there. What we can assume though, is that Carl and Inez broke up because of, um, all of the, uh, attention that Carl was paying on his career, um, and yeah, even though yeah, she yeah, is definitely true. a career, she's definitely a career minded person, but seems to have it more than where she can be more well-balanced about it. Whereas he just, exactly, that, and that that's a maturity thing too, where he isn't able to separate his career versus his personal life. Uh, because it's, I guess as a chef or as anybody you're taught, if you want to go in any art, you got to go whole hog. We actors say that all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. musicians say that all the time, uh, Chefs, I think that's a big part of it as well. And so, with with Sophia's career, she can have her career uh, and still be a be a wife and a mother and do all those things. I think that that's kind of shows strength of character and maturity there. And it's only when Carl reclaims his passion that he's able to see that he's able to see um, <clears throat> kind of what he missed by devoting so much to things that didn't matter. And it also kind yes. of, I think, I think on the turning point for her. It's that oh, this is the person I fell in love with. I don't know if she was waiting yes, around so absolutely. much, so much as saying, "Yeah, okay." Well, they have to be in each other's lives because of their their kid. So, oh, for sure, it's yeah. something that she probably was like, "Man, if you would only just get it together." And it wasn't like she was waiting around for him. She went and had had some fun with her ex ex. So, um, <laughs>
0: yeah, and she has her career, and but yeah, I think you're right. right. I think <laughs> I think for and and. Another big part of this is he's so focused on the approval of the critic, mm-hmm. of his fans, of everybody else. And he's got a number one fan at home, and that's Percy, the person yeah. that he's ignoring the most. Oh, um, yeah. And this whole movie is about, you know, about him reclaiming his passion, but also about him realizing that he has this huge support system, Inez, Percy. Uh, martin and tony well tony not as much but martin um, you know he's yep. got a big support system at home he doesn't need to look for the approval of molly and reva and ramsey sure um and that's a big part of it yeah that's,
1: i i no, am, i just yeah, wanted to touch on that just because i've
0: heard that a couple times and i've I, i've had those thoughts myself so i just i thought it'd be fun to explore it a little bit but it's, glad, not a, it's not it's not a knock did. on the movie because <laughs> i love like oh, no, i'm glad along. you did
1: i love i love kind of hearing that i come from one perspective i have the straight white male perspective of this and this is a straight white male watching a movie about a straight white male so i totally get that <laughs> um i totally get that i love i love hearing the, the different ideas i just bring what i think into it and man if people want to say that yeah sophia or inez seemed a little a little uh ancillary i can understand <laughs> that too
0: yeah i mean you know all the characters are kind of ancillary to carl it's, really it anyway, really is because it's about I, him And yeah,
1: again, that's that's again, it's a character-driven piece that is. Yes, very much so. I feel like that there's that there's room. Like, if we wanted to see the prequel of what happened to to Inez and Carl at the beginning, that would be some fun meat to dive into. So, but there's there's that's I think another strength is there's the characters are so rich that you want to know more about the people that are kind of along the story. Everybody, like like Riva and Molly, drop out halfway through the movie. So yeah, these folks like, and and, and I think yeah, that's another strength here um, is that there's really no antagonist. There's no villain. I mean, there are antagonists. You can't have a protagonist without an antagonist, but there is no like major villain to overcome. The villain is complacency. and Yeah. And, it's this an
0: internal conflict. Man versus man.
1: <laughs> absolutely. It is the internal conflict. Like Reva is definitely an antagonist being the stifling mm-hmm. creator. Uh, Marvin, or is it Marvin? That's uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character's name. Um, yes,
0: yeah.
1: There's a Marvin and a Martin, and one of them is good, and one of them is, is Robert Downey Jr. So I always <laughs> want to make sure I get it right.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, Martin yeah, m- is John Leguizamo.
1: Yes, oh, one of the best. We'll get yes. to him. We will get yeah. to him. But but um, <clears throat> but like Marvin is an antagonist because he represents kind of different other other love for uh, Carl's wife. But he's not really the villain. Even Ramsey Michelle is not a villain. Because by the end of the movie, we kind of learn that, oh, I did that to light a fire up your ass and it worked. And now I'm going to give you money to start a restaurant. So Yeah, not
0: only that, he he was his fan. Yeah. You know, big time. He, he and he admits that later, you know, I I I I saw that you were stuck. I and I think that's mm-hmm. that that's a you know, powerful thing mm-hmm. to say and to, to do is like we when we're going through a tough time, we don't necessarily want someone to point it point it out to us. I mean sure. that then we turn the ire on that person and that's what Carl oh, yeah. did. But it's like mm-hmm. actually he's another unknown support system. Absolutely.
1: You yeah, don't know I, what it's I really it's, like that. It's the idea that you when you've got so such big blinders on, you don't know who's around you. And yeah. when you take them off, when you have to when you're forced to step back, take off the blinders and see things differently, you then see that the people that you might have thought were good for you aren't, and the people that you thought weren't good for you might actually be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, maybe it's painful to hear that criticism, but sure. yeah, I think he was an echo chamber of everyone saying he's great. <laughs> so you yep. <he> needed it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Well, what's another scene that, uh, that we haven't t- touched on yet that you really connect with?
1: There are some really good ones, um, throughout this whole movie. Um, I'm, uh, I think that, I'll, I'll take two more kind of towards the middle to the end of the movie um it's the first one that i always think about is when um carl and and percy go to miami and hear uh inez's father performing mm-hmm. and just that whole just that whole sequence um yeah i love i love that i'm I'm uh, the music i have to shout out the music in this movie it is incredible what they are able to do they are able to they're able to kind of give you the sense of everything that's going on um, through the music that they choose i've already highlighted cavern just that driving beat that really underscores the tension of the scene the there's the music that's going on when he's making the pasta which is the it's called message to you rudy which is just a Nice, fun little reggae joint that kind of shows him a more of a playful side. And then the movie kind of takes shape as he goes different places. You get the Cuban music when he's in Miami. You get some more New Orleans-style music. I think they do a, a like brass band remix of sexual healing in there when he's in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And you get some Texas blues Gary Clark Jr., who I discovered from this movie, uh, who's amazing. Uh, if you're not on Ke- Gary Clark Jr., uh, he's okay. a blues guitarist and singer. Amazing um he's worked with Foo Fighters he's done work all over the place and he's great um but you get the the music just kind of transforms and I think as kind of a it's a fun little moment too watching um Percy's grandfather playing in his band um because it's like oh you kind of forget that they're not that they're not married that yeah Carl and Inez, and I'm like, oh, this—we're ha- we're having fun, we're dancing, and you kind of forget that he has been kind of a terrible father uh, because they're just <laughs> having a good moment. And I and I think that that's—it's a really cool thing that uh, just kind of feeds into that kind of spirit. Is like, okay, can we get back to that? Yeah, I think have that sort of some balance and
0: well-being in. in your life instead mm-hmm. of just work. Yeah, yeah. Like that's
1: yeah. that scene gets me, and then the the scene, some of the scenes involving. Um, carl teaching his son about the ways of being a chef um, yeah the knife him stuff sh-
0: <laughs> makes you what? want to go out and buy a knife i know but, but, yeah
1: giving yeah. a chef's knife and and this is something that you learn about when when you watch as much food network and ex- consume as much chef culture as i have um chefs and their tools is like one and the same it's yeah it's like um A swordsman and his sword basically for that (laughs) metaphor like yeah um, a a swordsman if you're like watching any shows about knights or like a game of thrones type of situation they choose their swords very carefully carefully they choose their weapons that they use very carefully and the same thing with with the world of food you get a relationship with the knives that you have every chef does not use knives that are provided to him or her they use the knives that they own So Mm -hmm. the fact that he's giving Carl a, or he's giving uh, Percy, I should say, his own kit, his own chef's knife, that's kind of a welcome to the club, a big rite of passage. And it's something that, like you said, Percy's his number one fan. So by doing this, it just kind of like, it helps to kind of reinvigorate that bond as well between the two of them.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned we'll kind of talk about it a little bit. I kind of wanted to talk, I guess it's not a specific scene, but I did kind of want to talk a little bit about John Leguizamo's character as Martin. Oh, he's
1: so Um, great.
0: Number one, I love Leguizamo so
1: much. (laughs) John Um, Leguizamo is one of those sneaky people that shows up in things and you're like, oh, he's great. I'm
0: like, you're like, I'm glad you're here. You know, it's like he adds something to every role that he does, even when Every time,
1: whether he's a sloth. Or a future seeing <laughs> hermit, or a line cook uh, at a restaurant. Another random fun fact: as we're about to dive into him, uh, John Leguizamo also spent about a week uh, working as a line cook to prep for his role in the movie.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So, I, so
1: the prep yeah. is the prep is real for this, and also this just sounds like the most fun prep you could do for a movie. Just yes. to be like, all right, I'm going to go prep for my role as a chef by being a chef somewhere. By being a cook somewhere. Like as opposed to like somebody who's who's like in a movie about a boxer like, I'm going to go ahead and get my face punched in for 15 minutes a day. No, nope, that's, that's way more fun to me is to go in and I agree. actually cook, cook for a week.
0: More fun than any boot camp that you might oh, have to do yeah. for a superhero movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the thing that I like about Martin's character is I think he highlights how important line cooks are and how important the people behind the scenes you've got the celebrity chef, right? And I think Mm -hmm. all the attention is typically on them. They're the celebrity. They're, they're the boss They're the most important, but they're all these people behind the scenes Mm -hmm. in restaurants that don't usually get the same attention. I think uh, Anthony Bourdain uh, made that a big part of his mission when he was talking about food. He's like, you know, there's all these celebrity chefs but they're not making your food this guy is mm-hmm. and they kind of are the sung hung uh, unsung heroes of the kitchen and of society in a lot of ways because they're the you know lower paid lower end mm-hmm. of food the food industry and yet they drive it and i love any project that sort of highlights and talks about that and so mm-hmm. i think martin's character as a support you know he he gets <laughs> impassioned by what um, Carl does and he quits his job and he follows him around all over the country uh, helping him. And I just think that, that that's such a great character. And I just really enjoyed his presence in the film.
1: It's absolutely where it needs to be with that. I I completely agree. Uh, You talked about your restaurant experience. I don't have exact restaurant experience, but I did uh, when I was younger, uh, serve as kind of a line cook of sorts. For the kitchen of a jewish day camp in new york uh just a, a summer camp at a temple basically what it was basically what it was my buddy got me a job as a camp counselor and i transitioned into the kitchens for a summer um and that was you really get a good respect for people who make the food um yeah because we had our we had our kitchen staff coordinator and she would set the recipes but then somebody's back there just shredding all the lettuce or cutting up all the apples or washing all the, all the rice or whatever it might be. Somebody is back there making sure that all of this is mowing through potatoes, mowing through produce, just to make sure that that's ready to go for what's needed. And I love that he represents that. I also, it's, it's, it's so interesting because I've been thinking about this one aspect of the movie. Uh, Martin is is such a big support to him and he, you're right that he is unsung. And I think that's exemplified the best in the fact that despite the fact that Carl works in L.A. and is married to Sofia Vergara, he doesn't speak a lick of Spanish. <laughs> and <Right. laughs> and he has Martin there as his translator basically throughout the entire movie. he's Martin is the one who communicates things when he's at Galois, when he's at the restaurant. Um, and then when he's in Miami uh, helping to get the, the food truck cleaned up with the with the staff that's there, he's the one speaking to them. Um, so basically, he'd never really had to learn Spanish because he's always had people to do it for him, whether it's his mm-hmm. wife or his his co-worker, his, his sous chef, Martin, uh, in the in those ways. So it's just it yeah. just kind of highlights just how needed it actually is. And yeah. I would have loved for there to be a moment where he starts to learn to pick up a little bit more Spanish Kind of as a as
0: a as <laughs> yeah, a, good as a show point.
1: of growth, absolutely in his character. But the fact that he's got these people, and you kind of you kind of get the sense that before Martin shows up in Miami, things aren't going to work out. Uh, that just it just highlights just how much it's needed for for that. Because again, and it not only not only does he do it for for uh, for getting over a language barrier, he also kind of gets over a personal barrier because you have this right up until that happens, you have. Percy basically just cleaning the whole thing and not really understanding why and then yeah. Martin Martin's a kind of also the best example of okay this is w- what it means to work in a kitchen as well mm-hmm. he kind of brings that I mean John Carl obviously knows what it is but Carl's also dad and it's very yes. difficult sometimes to separate the parent <laughs> fr- for a child to separate their parent from what they do because oh it's oh it's that's dad that's mom they're just this is, what, this is what's going on. And we get that. And one of my favorite moments, which I'll get to in a moment, but just to really put some shine on John Leguizamo and Martin, having another person there to kind of walk him through the ropes of what it means to be kitchen staff re- really not only solidifies um, them as a, as a restaurant team or as a food truck team, but it helps to kind of increase that bond between Percy and Carl to a new level of, of mm-hmm. admiration. I think that's what, was that what you were going to talk about? Oh, we uh off? yeah,
0: and and the only thing I was going to add to that is that I think it, it was a very good and intentional choice for John Leguizamo to make to to cast or, or for uh I'm sorry for John Favreau to have uh Martin played by John Leguizamo and mm. to include this the the Spanish speaking element of it because the backbone of the. Uh, you know, restaurant history in America is typically Latinx people. Absolutely. And it, it it shows something there to say that Martin is so essential and necessary because of that language barrier and how like, how do you even be successful and thrive in this career without, you know, that aspect of it? It is kind of like a funny thing that he doesn't even speak Spanish <laughs> and he has to rely on his sous chef. Um, but I think it's important to highlight uh, people like that in the industry, because it, it's so true. Um, so I don't know that that was the only thing I was going to add, but it, totally it really, 100% agree with everything you said. Absolutely.
1: Well. It, it all it, it's such a cool thing. And there I love how much stock they're taking in, in kind of showing restaurant culture and showing all mm-hmm. of that. Uh, I think the biggest part of that and the kind of the culminating moment for me of the whole movie is this is what I call the burnt sandwich monologue. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the moment um where he's uh where they're serving their uh the 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 workers there at the like at I guess it's a body shop is where they are. They're serving the workers mm-hmm. um food like as payment for helping them out, which that's going to be some of the best payment that I could go for. <laughs> when when I'm putting in that Just Feed, I've I mean, when anyone ever asks me to move, I say, "Yes, I take payment in food." <laughs> and and that's usually how it goes. Uh, but they um, they do it and they're about to feed a serve a sandwich that's been burnt and Percy's just like why why would we not serve that they're not gonna then it's not like they're paying for it and then basically the the thesis of the movie comes up in this monologue which is yeah. basically Carl telling his son that he wants that he is good at being a chef. And it's basically the only thing he's been good at. He is he mm-hmm. is going to do this and serve people his best work, his best effort, because he can and he's good at it. He may not be the yeah. best husband. He may not be the best father. He may not be the best at navigating the world as we see with him in social media, but he is good at one thing, and that is making some bomb-ass food. And he is yeah. going to show that as often as he possibly can. And the look of awe in that kid's face throughout this whole monologue, the fa- and, and it's underscored by the fact that he addresses his own father as Yes Chef, <laughs> yes. is amazing. And it just kind of shows that there's just this profound level of respect that this 10 year old has for his father now, knowing, OK, he's admitting that he hasn't been the best, but he knows what he's good at and he's trying to improve what he's not good at through what he is good at. and it just that monologue just makes the whole thing for me.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think I think you know one really cool aspect about his relationship with his son is that um, you know every city that he goes to, he's really good at the food part. he's mm-hmm. bad at the connection part. Oh yeah, and Percy through social media is able to bridge that gap for him by saying, hey, we're gonna be here and you know meet us here and we'll eat here and like mm-hmm. you know uh John Favreau's character needed that support he needed somebody to say to make connections with local people absolutely in each town until he gains a following and that's kind of what leads to the relaunching of his career so it's amazing
1: yeah. and the whole fact that his son does this for him and like uh, I guess it shows. Like, maybe it's a cliche, but young people are better at, at new internet. Oh, at, absolutely, which is totally they true. Just are. Okay. They just they're are. Okay, they're way they better just, than I am. They can take it, <laughs> and it's great. And the fact that he's doing this and he's building this out um, is so is so cool because it's again like you like you just said, it's that weak point in Carl's game that is improved when he relies on other people and relies on on the on what everybody else brings to the table. And yeah. the thing that I love about it is. Um, it kind of, there's there's a moment I can't remember what city they're in, but there's a moment where um, he's talking to a customer and he's saying like, "How did you find us?" It's like, showed him the social media thing. He's like, "Yeah, my kid did that," and it's like the most like proud son thing or proud father moment that you could have <laughs> in a movie yeah, and about an extreme an extremely good chef just being like, "Yeah, yeah, my kid did that. That's so cool."
0: Yeah, and it's good for him because you know he's viewed social media as a as an enemy up until this point, and yeah. yet now. It's his greatest adversary. It's just how you use it,
1: mm-hmm. basically. Absolutely,
0: that not to start of, arguments. <laughs> that,
1: oh yeah, that all kind of keys into the one second every day montage at the very end, too. Yes, I've had friends. I've I've always thought it was kind of kind of silly, to be honest. And <laughs> yeah, this, it's
0: not something I've ever been able to successfully use.
1: I have never done it. I've never I've never <laughs> had I experience with that. But I will say, like, I have a friend who did it. During the month in which my wife and I got married, and he was at our wedding, and to see that moment show up in his in in everything he did that month was like pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie, that part was pretty. Neat. And then seeing it all kind of show and and that kind of being the thing that that really solidifies uh, where Carl's gonna be heading in the future of saying yes, this is gonna be a family affair. This restaurant because he was he was pretty dead set on like yes, this was a fun little jaunty road trip. That we took through some of the best best food cities in America, but you got to go to school. You gotta, you still gotta be a person, and I gotta cap my thing over here, and your thing's gonna mm-hmm. go back over where it is. And now, with once he saw what what his son had done with the um, with that video and just capturing all those great moments, not just getting the heat of it, but just them just sitting out, driving places, rubbing rubbing cornstarch on your crotch. All of those great moments. Um, he's just like, oh yeah, no, this is a family thing and we're going to make it work. And that's, that's, I think the key for him too, is involving his family and making it more of a family business as opposed to this is the Carl Casper show.
0: Well, I was thinking, even when I was watching an episode of the documentary where they had the lady from the milk bar, Mm -hmm. um, and she was so engaging and so infectious and so, uh, fun to watch. She kept yeah. talking about how she, she liked imbuing parts of her childhood and what kids mm-hmm. like to eat into her food. And she had this sort of childlike quality. Even her outfit had like a rainbow on the collar and fun stuff in her kitchen. And, you know, I, I, something that's always stuck with me that I've heard a long time ago and I think continues to be true is that people, if people are going to buy what you're selling, they want to know more about you. Oh, yeah. They want to get to know you. And you, you are the most important part of your brand, sure. whatever that means. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the piece that Carl was missing. You know, people didn't want a technically well-made meal or him on his own. His family brings a lot of flavor mm-hmm. uh, to what he's selling and people want to get to know him and they want to, him to be relatable. Um, and yeah, that's just something that's always stuck with me. You know, people are going to be more invested if you're invested mm-hmm. um, in, in connecting with them. So Absolutely. Yeah, his his family does have to be a part of that.
1: Absolutely, and it's and it's both his his given family with Inez and and Percy and his chosen family with Martin yeah. too, and it's all everything's kind of in there because I think about the scene uh, where the uh, fully painted food truck is revealed for the first time. Yeah, it's like this. It's like, and I I think Carl would have been content to sell out of a dilapidated ice cream truck and what it looked like before, but then mm-hmm. when he gets the when he gets the El Jefe makeover. yes that just becomes part of the brand and it becomes part of the thing because again that's something martin calls him that he's adopted as his as kind of his
0: yeah it's like the chief it's all
1: it's all there in 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 it and 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 i really just love that that comes together in that sense and i also think that that what you're talking about with branding and getting to know it and also kind of the idea that you are also using your brand using your brand to serve other people right it has to be authentic yeah yeah and it's and And you kind of get that, the authenticity, even though like you, someone might see um, taking a Cuban food truck and adding beignets or adding like brisket when you're in Texas or bit like beignets when you're in, um, when you're in uh, New Orleans Orleans, as kind of like pandering to the city you're in, but it also shows that they, that they respect the flavor in there. And I think that that's what, that's what the people are going, that's what kind of helps them out. It's like, oh yeah, we're going to take all these great ideas, add them to what we do and it's going to be that much better.
0: Yeah, yeah, food fusion.
1: Mm-hmm. I love it.
0: Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, are there any other scenes that we haven't uh, touched on yet that you um, wanted to chat about?
1: I don't. I don't know. Um, I just. I, I think the some of the more bonding moments that don't really like further the story, but are just there to show the character growth, are mm-hmm. worth mentioning. Like I always think about the cornstarch scene. which which is yeah
0: you know i was gonna say earlier the biggest thing i walked away with not just in a food truck but in a kitchen is it's hot back there i i I don't think i could ever do that job because of how hot it is it is a sweaty (laughs) job
1: it is a very Mm -hmm. sweaty job (laughs) and if and and if you think about it, especially in some of the settings they're mostly in southern towns or places with more tropical climates they're in miami they're in l.a yeah. they're, in Dallas, they're in austin they're in new orleans yeah. they're in all these hot places the kitchens are hot you can have those industrial fans the food truck i think they had maybe one like fan. a tin
0: can yeah <laughs> they <had> maybe
1: one <laughs> tiny like them. dashboard yeah. fan but my god but that like that part of it all make made me so happy and i love that they put the spotlight on certain things like yeah i remember the first time i had my own my first beignet in New Orleans at Cafe Du Monde, I can remember that that feeling of being like this is. I was with uh, some of my college buddies. We were there for March Madness, and I was just like, "This is one of the best pieces of, of food I've ever eaten." <laughs> in here, and all the food there is fantastic, and they they're showing that and, and showing that through these bonding moments. The, my favorite one is when they go to Franklin's in, in Austin. I don't know. I don't know if you've ever been able to go there and sit on that line. But Ironically,
0: that's... I've had a beignet. I've gone to Cafe Du Monde. There you uh, go. I think the first time I went, I couldn't even get in and I had to go to a place down the street ah. to get a beignet. And yep. weirdly, I spotted actually Tig Nataro there. It was a long time ago. Oh, that's fun. But I saw her in line and I went, I think that's Tig. And I looked at her Twitter and saw that she actually was in New Orleans. I'm like, no, oh, it's here. I didn't say anything to her, I just saw her. <laughs> and I thought, how weird. Because I couldn't go to Cafe Du Monde, I saw her over here.
1: Well, there you go. Uh,
0: Anyway, um, but ironically, I've never been to Franklin's. I, until probably the past couple of years, was not a big barbecue person. Mm. Um, I'm not really that into red meat, if I'm honest. That's more my husband's deal, but he's sort of given me a better appreciation of that. So I've never stood in any sort of barbecue line. I'm not above it, but because it is so difficult to get in the door still at Franklin's, I just haven't been able to.
1: And I'm, <laughs> so. I've never been in Austin long enough, or for for enough of a leisure reason, to be like, yeah, okay, this is what we're,
0: I have. I morning. have a couple
1: hours. I can go stand on this line. It's, it's like
0: tailgating. You have to bring like a lawn chair, oh, you know, yeah. and like, I mean, and yep. get there at 8 a.m. Yeah, it's, so. that's just not my style. And sitting down to eat a huge plate of barbecue at 9 or 10 a.m. is just, <laughs> I, I just can't do it. So I haven't done it yet. <laughs>
1: sure, sure. But just, just the, for, for, since, since you and I both haven't done it, I, we can live vicariously through this movie yes. showing us just how good that brisket looked and the fact that they used, yeah, looks phenomenal. Um, that, that wasn't actors. Those were the real, uh, chefs and GMs of Franklin's they got to highlight that. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. a really cool thing that they were able to kind of showcase, okay, these are the people that actually do this and and kind of incorporate them into the movie where we know that Favreau and Leguizamo and Cannavale are playing chefs, but here's the real folk. And and we're going to, we're going to highlight them too. And I think that that's really neat.
0: Sort of a blues brothers ish.
1: Oh, absolutely. Another (laughs) one of my favorites. The
0: real ones, you -hmm. know,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Um, It is, it's, it's exactly, it's, the, the scene at, at Franklin's is just like the scene in Blues Brothers where they're watching this watching the street musicians and uh, Dan Aykroyd just goes, yup, and then walks into a music shop. That's, that's yeah. exactly what that is. Thank you for making that connection between two of my favorite movies. I appreciate it. Yeah,
0: it's one of my favorites, and I always thought what was so successful about it was that, yeah, it's about the Blues Brothers, but they have you know Aretha Franklin and so many other greats in the movie. Sure. they're They're being very intentional about being like, okay these are the real thing (laughs) absolutely and so i think this movie does a good job of that too Mm -hmm.
1: and yeah just the fact that they're taking so much care into the food aspects of it i love and this is not even directly related to the movie but i absolutely love the the kind of the mid-credits it's not really a mid-credit but alongside the credits they're showing takes of roy choi teaching John Favreau how to cook and right. what he's doing is like, okay, you can, it, by including that in the movie, you're showing, okay, this is made with the most amount of love and respect for the restaurant industry and food culture as a whole. And what these people do to make the food that we eat, because again, it's such a, it can be so taken for granted, but because it's something we have to do and we can either buy it from a store, go to a restaurant, make it ourselves. And it's just something that has to happen in our lives But really, And so we take it for granted, but just to show that love and care at the very end there really ties the whole movie together for me.
0: Right, 100%. Well, um, I guess that brings me to my last couple of questions for you then. Let's go for it. So number one, if you had to summarize, uh, what is it about this film that keeps you coming back to it? Why is it a comfort movie?
1: Mm, That's a good question. Um, Because, yeah, this is one of those movies where I'll just like if I don't have anything to watch or listen to – And it's on Netflix. I'm going to shake my fist angrily at the sky uh, for that. (laughs) But if it's available and I can just be like, yeah, okay, I'll go back to it. And it's just, it just feels good. It's one of those movies. Like if you ever feel like you're in a spot where what you do isn't being appreciated the way you want it to be, if what, if you feel like you're stuck in a zone, it's kind of that kick, it can be definitely that kick in the pants that you need to be like, okay, this guy did it. Maybe I could do that too. And that's helped me. I've gone through some some career uh, peaks and valleys since the movie came out. And it's definitely something that come that comes back to what's yeah. going on um, and kind of helps out in that way. But it's also just from that level. Uh, there's I think why Food Network is so successful and why Instagram is just basically 80 percent people taking pictures of what they get at restaurants <laughs> is that looking at good food is awesome. Yes. <laughs> looking, at, and it's one of those, and it's just one of those things where if you you see somebody and and looking at people who care about what they do is just as awesome. And so I think those are the things that bring that continue to bring me back. Just watching this guy's journey to reclaiming his passion while also watching a move, watching some really good food being made comes together. I would definitely not recommend that people watch this movie if they haven't eaten because they will, because yeah. you will then immediately go and raid your fridge for everything. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I'm, I'm kind of thankful for foodie culture lately, you know, sure. in the past decade or so, because I think we were kind of stuck as a society, especially here in America, of this sort of kind of really, honestly, just going to say it, toxic diet culture, yep. where, um, you know, we really demonize food. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this movie highlights the fact that food is a pleasure and that that's okay. Yeah. And that it's such a big part of our family and our experience and our mm-hmm. connections with other human beings. And so anything that kind of... Of further[s] that agenda, I am a hundred percent more on board for, Absolutely. and I think this movie is just such a um, empowering and uplifting story, um, but also very you know touching.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I, I, you know, in a world where we kind of sometimes praise things that are maybe dour and dramatic and, and too sad, um, mm. I, I like a good independent film that's upbeat. It's so a good, I,
1: it's a really yeah. good. You, you come out of the movie with a smile on your face. And I just going back to what you're talking about with 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 um with the what the kind of opinions about food. I find that really ironic because so many of our first memories, or first like real bonding points yeah. with family, with with romantic partners, whatever it might be, is about food. We yes. usually go on a first date to a restaurant, to a bar, to something involving consuming food or drink. Um, I cannot. There there are certain um. I can't remember every, every gift I got for Christmas, but I can remember sitting in the kitchen making meatballs with my mom uh, As any opportunity. I can remember those things. I remember seeing my, my little Italian great-grandmother uh, stu- uh, ser- uh, slaving over the sauce for like three hours at a time, uh, just going, going through it. I remember baking with my grandma. I can remember all of these things. And I think that that's what kind of keys it together. Like falling in love with my wife, we did it over cooking together. So mm. I love stuff like that and I think that that it's so ironic that food gets such a bad rap because of of what it can do to to one's health if used improperly but I think that the food culture we're trying to be like no food is not the enemy the way that we use it has been the enemy so let's go back to using it the right way.
0: Exactly. I I mm-hmm. was reading something this past week that really struck with me that a lot of people you know will say that oh you know I'm addicted to food or I I, I use food as a coping mechanism as comfort. And they're like, well, duh, because every single most important thing that's ever happened to us has been centered on food, you know, weddings, uh, and, um, celebrations, a promotion at work, Mm -hmm. food is a big part of that. So we really Mm -hmm. shouldn't demonize it. I mean, it's just, it is an important part of our lives. It, it is something that uh, helps us connect to others. So yeah, I Absolutely. agree with everything you just said. Um, if you had to pitch this to somebody like that's never seen chef before, that's maybe sees the covers thinking about it. What, what do you say to them?
1: Uh, my phrase, and I said it before I'll, I'll repeat it here is this is a movie about reclaiming your passion. It yeah. is a It is. That is at its core. If they need a little more yeah. than that, I will say this is John Favreau playing a chef who gets so complacent at his job and goes on an internet tirade um about it then and and then finds his way back to loving what he does through a food truck and Mm -hmm. and i'm like and i would say if you like movies with good food and really good performances you're gonna love this you're gonna love this yeah it's it's truly a a hidden gem it's Mm -hmm. such an effortless thing too i think I don't know if this was done specifically for this movie or this is just Jon Favreau's act, uh, directing style, but it really feels so like you're in the moment. If I, I love movies where I can't tell if it's scripted or if it's improv. And this mm-hmm. is kind of one of those movies where you kind of get that there's an outline and maybe he didn't exactly script out every single moment and just lets his actors roll. And that, I think, brings you into the world even more. I, I, you can't tell me that every word of the, of the Robert Downey Jr. scene was right there on the script. I refuse to believe that. I refuse to believe oh, that. Yeah. To believe that. And, and it's just, and I and telling folks and pitching it to them, I, would, I tend to over pitch, but that's one of the things that I would use. Like, this is just an effortless, uplifting movie about some good food that's going to give you a good story about reclaiming your passion.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I could not have said it better. So, a one hundred percent agree. Well, Chris, thank you so much. You know, for picking this movie. Uh, thank you for coming on. I've appreciated having you. Uh, do, is there anything you want to plug before you go? Uh,
1: I guess I like I said at the top. I'm not the most social media literate person. The uh, only thing I really do keep is a TikTok, and you can find me at Chris Darius Seven on TikTok. Okay. I haven't posted there in a while. Um, mostly, my stuff on there is I'm a I'm a musician, a sax player, and I'll like, oh awesome and I'll like throw up some stuff. I put out a medley of Disney songs that I made through during the pandemic, on that are that is all sax. And so I'm trying Very to figure cool. out where where that's going to go next. Uh, but as I do uh, enjoy what's up there right now, Chris Daria Seven, no apostrophe in there. But yes, Chris Daria Seven is my uh, is my TikTok handle, and that's really all I have to drive people toward. So no yeah. worries. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, thank you again for picking this. You have to think about your next movie and uh, hope to have you back soon.
1: Absolutely. We'll uh we'll see how that uh that food movie series goes between the two of
0: us. <laughs> yes.
1: Sounds like a party.